Open up to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be bouncing around a lot today, so I'm going to be putting a lot of scripture up here. But I want to start in Proverbs chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want you to think, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing in your life right now? What does it mean to pursue something? Think about a dating relationship where a guy is pursuing a relationship with a young lady, getting to know her, maybe trying to impress her, trying to get to that point of the first date, maybe in the dating relationship, pursuing to the point of a marriage. I think of explorers pursuing the top of a mountain or an uncharted territory or country or land. I think of scientists that pursue a particular scientific advancement and you read and you you hear about these people that just spend countless nights mulling over math problems and scientific equations and they just can't let it go. They're pursuing it with all their might. Having fun right now with my kids, we're looking at uh, the Apollo space program. We're studying that. I love space and everything to do with it. I just think it's fascinating. And so to look at how in, in the 60s and early 70s, the, the U.S. space program just took one step after another after another in pursuit of sending a man to the moon. To pursue something is to be intentional about it. It's to make it a priority. It's to put effort into a certain direction. In the first sermon of this series, On Track, Biblical Wisdom for Today, I, I gave us a definition of wisdom, that wisdom is thinking and living correctly in relationship with God. Thinking and living, so there's both knowing and doing, but there's also in relationship with God. It has to be under His authority in acknowledgement of who He is for it to be true biblical wisdom, to live in relationship with God. And so today we're going to talk about pursuing wisdom. What does it mean in our lives and why should we pursue wisdom? And I hope at the end of this sermon, I hope that you leave here with, if nothing else, a feeling and emphasis in your heart, I want to pursue wisdom. I want to earnestly desire to be intentional about seeking wisdom in my life. So let's look at a couple reasons why we are to pursue wisdom. The first is that wisdom must be pursued. It's not just going to happen by accident. You're not just going to stumble along God's wisdom along the way of life. You can't just be lazy and and go about your day, day in and day out, and say, well, at least I'm getting wise. Wisdom has to be pursued. And so we come to Proverbs 4, 5, and 8, where Scripture calls us to pursue wisdom. It's a command. So look at Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Do you see the call there? And again, the context of Proverbs, so much of it is written from a father to a son to instruct their child. To say, I want my son to grow up wise. I want my son to live a good life. I want my son to know who God is and to follow God. You can hear the father's heart through this. 
And so as we read that, we need to understand the father's heart as he's speaking to his son. My son, get wisdom. If you have to give up everything for it, get wisdom. The New Testament speaks about this as well. James chapter 1, verse 5, If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Ask for it. Because God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So there is both the call, the command to pursue wisdom, and also the intention of God to want to give it to us. The other reason we need to pursue wisdom is because of the opposite. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 talks about not wanting to gain wisdom. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This says that if we are content to not get wisdom, if we are content to not grow in our wisdom, if we are saying, I have gone far enough in my wisdom and learning about God and the world that I live in, I'm good. The Bible says there's a label for that. It's called foolish. And I don't know about you, but if somebody said, hey, who wants to be foolish? I'm not raising my hand for that one. If somebody said, who is foolish? I might raise my hand for that one. But I would hope I would say, but I don't want to be. I want to continue and get wisdom. God gives wisdom. But he calls us to pursue it. Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. Again, hear the words of the father to his son. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Do you see the actions there? Call out, cry out, seek wisdom. The comparison, if you look for it as for silver, search for it as for hidden treasure. If somebody told you right now there was a year's worth of salary hidden in your backyard, I think this room would clear out. Like, I'm out of here. I'm going. If somebody said there was treasure downtown Rochester, and here's the map, would you be like, yeah, maybe sometime tomorrow, if it works out, if my schedule clears, if the kids' sports things kind of clear up, if, if I wasn't so busy with this and that, yeah, maybe I'd oh, be like, treasure, I'm out of here. And the Bible says that's how you're to embrace and seek and pursue wisdom. So we are called to pursue wisdom. So if you're here today and you're thinking, ah, wisdom is for those eggheads and seminary or maybe for the, the pastors or for those people that just love studying theology, that's who wisdom is for, but I'm good. I want you to hear Scripture this morning. Scripture is calling you, each and every one of us, to pursue wisdom. Not only are we called to pursue wisdom, we need to pursue wisdom. We desperately need to pursue wisdom. We need to pursue wisdom because we can easily fall for substitutes. Fake wisdom. Proverbs 16.16 puts it this way, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. And again, there's that comparison that wisdom is better than gold or silver. But I think it's also pointing to 
the disastrous consequence of settling for a false happiness, a false satisfaction. You could settle for gold. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, I'd settle for gold. A little more treasure, that'd be great. But the Bible says, how much more so? Instead of settling for that false substitute, and maybe for you it's not money. Maybe for you it's something else. Success, love, attention, pride, influence, whatever it is. To put that in there and to say, how much better than whatever that is, is it to get insight, to get wisdom. We need to pursue wisdom also because our wisdom is messed up. Our intelligence, our ability to describe the world, to know what the right thing to do, to totally understand ourselves and the people around us is messed up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. It's a great passage, isn't it? Yes, I want to trust in the Lord. Yes, I want Him to direct my paths. I want things to go well. Yes, yes, yes. But did you catch that part in the middle? And lean not on your own understanding. Oh, we want to skip over that part. (laughs) I'll trust God and I've got this all figured out how I'm going to do it. And God says, no, that's not how it works. We have to be suspicious of our own understanding. We have to be suspicious of our own wisdom because sin has infected us and influences us. So we can't just trust on our own way of thinking and our own wisdom. I mean, really, the best way to say we need to pursue wisdom is to say we are sinners. To acknowledge that. And therefore, to say we want God to teach us. Now, here's the great thing about that. God loves to give wisdom. He wants you to have wisdom. Wisdom wants to be pursued. God's not hiding, saying, oh, let's see if they figure this one out. Let's see if they can decipher my secret code in Scripture. Let's see if they can count the vowels and the cons. That is not the God we serve. That's great fiction. That is not truth. We serve a God that loves to tell us about himself. He's not hiding behind secret codes and passwords. Wisdom wants to be pursued. Look at Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And listen to the the personification of wisdom here. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. Is, Is wisdom hiding here? I don't get any sense of being hidden here. You who are simple, come. Gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to choose, or to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction. Instead of silver, knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing... Nothing, nothing you desire can compare with her. Now look, to say wisdom wants to be pursued is the same thing as saying God wants to be known. Because the pursuit of wisdom is a pursuit of God. 
We're going to look at that in a section or in a second, but let's look at the results of pursuing wisdom. There are things that happen when you pursue wisdom. Promises from Scripture. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. A result of pursuing wisdom is to be blessed. Now, some translations, the English Standard Version, I believe, puts in happiness. And it's a good translation. It's an accurate translation. I've always been a little bit uncomfortable with it because I think our definition of happiness is way too small. And so I've been a little uncomfortable with that translation. Blessed is much better. It's just not a word we use a whole lot. So in that sense, it's not as accessible. But it is a happiness that comes from living in the ways of God. It is a happiness that goes beyond circumstances. And that's where I think our definition of happiness is too small. If somebody says, how are you doing? Are you happy right now? Are things going well? Oh yeah, I'm happy. This is going well, and this is going well, and this is going well. Or maybe you're going through a tough time. Well, how are things going right now? I'm not happy. Because this is going bad, and this is going bad, and this is going bad. And our happiness is so conditional on what's going on in our lives. And I get that. And God gets that. We go through tough times. But this is talking about a blessedness, a happiness that comes from trusting God, seeking Him, understanding His wisdom, following His wisdom. And that path of trusting Him may, at times, for some, lead through a worldly happiness. God blessing you. Could be wealth. Could be health. Could be joy. Could be new birth. It could be all sorts of things. New job, new house. It could be. But the same God and the same blessedness can also lead you through very difficult times. Because in Scripture, the happiness is not dependent upon the circumstance, but dependent upon the God that is with you in the circumstance. That's the voice of wisdom, saying if God is with us, it doesn't matter whether good things are coming or bad things are coming, I can trust Him through this storm. There is a result of pursuing wisdom. And it is this general concept of knowing God is in charge and walking with him in a path path of biblical blessing. There's also a sweet satisfaction. And I say that because of this next verse, or this next passage. Proverbs 24, 13-14 says, Eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future and a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. We're coming up soon on the Thanksgiving season. And, and I, I'm sure when we start thinking about Thanksgiving dinner, there are things that go through your mind of, oh, I can't wait for this. My favorite part of Thanksgiving. And hopefully, in your house, some of that at least is good desserts. Because that's an essential part of any Thanksgiving dinner. You have to have good desserts. All right, the turkey, wonderful. The ham, that's great. Green beans, wonderful. Stuffing, that's actually pretty awesome. Uh, Sweet potatoes, not so much. But there's all these wonderful things. But for me, the crowning glory of the Thanksgiving dinner is what happens after dinner. 
It's a certain type of pie. I love pecan pie. It is amazing. And when I smell it being cooked, when I see it sitting on the counter, my, my taste buds start to water, my, my mouth just grins in anticipation, I think, pecan pie. And I'm longing for it. Now, in this culture, understand, in the Middle East at this time, their main sweetener would have been honey. So this is their way of saying, imagine the sweetest, most delicious thing you can possibly think of. And then the author says, take that, and that's how you are to long for wisdom, because it is that good and that sweet. And when I bite into a really good piece of pecan pie, usually my wife's pecan pie, it's amazing. There's a fulfillment and a satisfaction there. Wow, this is good. Scripture says there is a sweet satisfaction to wisdom. Now look, I want to acknowledge here, our world is going to disagree with us. Okay? Our world is going to say, you're nuts for following God. You're nuts for believing in this archaic book. This idea that God sent His Son to die on the cross for you, that's crazy talk. It's foolishness. But to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ and tasted the sweetness of the gospel, we can look at them and in love and grace say, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never tasted it. It is so good and so sweet. One of the results of living in wisdom is a good life. Proverbs 8, 35-36, Wisdom speaks and says, For those who find me find life. And find favor from the Lord. Those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Now again, I want to be careful here by saying the good life. I'm not saying our definition of good is going to be put on God and he will give us all those things we want and therefore that is good. I'm saying we will live knowing the God of the universe is with us and in control over every situation. And whether he leads us through the wonderful grassy paths with flowers next to it and spring rain and autumn leaves and whatever else, or he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, we can say, he's with me. It's good. I'm okay. But look at what he says. Those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord, but those who fail to find me harm themselves. Do you love yourself? Do you, in general, want good things to happen to you? Would you purposely go out of your way to hurt yourself? And you know, frankly, there are a lot of people in our culture, a lot of youth especially, that are often hurting themselves because they want some way to feel alive, to feel something. We need to hold out to them biblical wisdom and say, look, this is the God who made you and who loves you. Seek wisdom. We also have to acknowledge there are fake substitutes for wisdom. In saying that wisdom will bring a sense of joy, will bring a a good life along the way because you're trusting in God, we also need to realize there are other things that can bring joy. Just because you're happy does not mean you're trusting God and that that is what God wants for you. Proverbs 15.21 says, Folly brings joy to the one who has no sense. Whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. You might know people that are crazy happy. Everything's going great for them and they're not following God whatsoever. Maybe sometimes quite the contrary. They're going their own way, totally rebelling against God and they seem perfectly happy. And sometimes as a Christian, 
especially if you're going through one of those dark times, you can look at them and say, oh, that's tempting. But wisdom steps in and says, no, it's a false joy. It's not a lasting joy. Jesus gives a great illustration in Matthew chapter 7. He tells a story about two builders. And one builds his house on the sand and one builds his house on the rock. You know this story? Now, I imagine, it's not in the text, but if, if, if I kind of put some thoughts into it, I, I imagine the day that they both finished. Probably the guy building on the sand was, built, was done much quicker because it was a little easier. If you've ever built a house on the rock, there's a lot of digging, hammering. It takes a long time. But I imagine they both finished and, and they come out of their house and say, hey, neighbor, hey, neighbor, how's it going? Great, great. Look at my house. My house is awesome. And the guy in the sand's like, oh, look at my rooms, and look how beautiful it is, and it's just an amazing house. And the guy on the rock, yeah, look at my house, it's really awesome. And they're both amazed and impressed at their house. They probably were both equally amazing. But see, the problem comes when the problems come. Right? When everything's good, both houses look the same. But the scripture says the storm comes. And you know, sometimes the storm comes in one big wave and it just swells up and it overwhelms us and it pulls us out to sea. And the person that is built on the sand that didn't build in wisdom isn't trusting God, is pulled away. The person on the rock can stand strong. Sometimes the storms come in small waves. And it's the constant eating away of your foundation over a long period of time. And it just eats it away, eats it away, and you don't really know until the the house starts to topple. Pursuing wisdom is a great need that we all have in our life. But it's not just about pursuing some topic of wisdom or gaining greater knowledge. The pursuit of wisdom, as I said before, is a pursuit of God. If you want to pursue wisdom, and I pray and hope that you do, Pursue God. Not more knowledge about God, not more smarts about theology. Although those things may come, pursue God. Scripture says in Proverbs 9.10, we started with this in the first sermon, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The pursuit of of wisdom starts with understanding who God is. It has to. If there is a God, and he really made all things, and is sovereign in control over all things, then wisdom, right living, right thinking, must begin with saying, yes, I acknowledge that. For there to be a God who made all things, is sovereignly in control of all things, and working through all things, and to live ignoring that and saying, no way that doesn't exist, is absolute and utter foolishness. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins with acknowledging who God is. It's also understanding that wisdom is an attribute of God. Jeremiah 10.12, But God made the earth by His power. He founded the world by His wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by His understanding. That's just one of many places we could go to to talk about the wisdom of God and the way He does all things through His wisdom. So if we want to learn wisdom... Basically, what we're saying is we want to learn more about God, how he made the world, how he made us, what this thing called the gospel is all about. God is the ultimate source of wisdom. 
And so as we pursue wisdom, we are pursuing Him. And as we do that, we hopefully are developing what is called a Christian worldview. A recognition that God is God and I am not. There's there's the starting point. That God has created me and sustains me by His wisdom, therefore I want to learn more about that. That human wisdom is to live in line with who God is and what He's done. And we have a very simple word in the church to describe that. It's faith. Faith. Faith is the acceptance of who God is and what He's doing. Faith. Faith is on the road of wisdom to trust who God is. God wants us to know Him and therefore to know wisdom. He's not hiding. He's not a secret code, like I said. One clear demonstration of God's desire to be known is this thing right here, Scripture. Look at all that God has given us to know Him. All of it, from the beginning to the end, is God's effort to say, here, I want you to know who I am. And so we come to another aspect of wisdom. Wisdom must, must be pursued through Scripture. Must be. We have to pour over Scripture. Scripture is God's communication of wisdom, His communication about Himself, His nature, His action in this world. It's His communication about us. Do you want to know yourself a little better? I do. Because I get myself wrong all the time. I want to know more about myself. And so I look at Scripture and I see I'm created in the image of God. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know I was that awesome. And I read, I'm a horrible, awful sinner. Wow, that's amazing too. I didn't know I was that bad. And then I read, God sent His Son to die for me on the cross. I didn't know I was that loved. And then He has a plan for me through all eternity. I didn't know I could be used in that way. That I'm going to be with Christ forever. I didn't know I had that future. We come to Scripture, we learn about God, but we also learn about us and about the salvation that God has so freely given us. Did you know that Scripture is a gift of grace? It is by God's grace that He has given us this book. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So often somebody will come to me and say, oh, I, I really want to get to know God better. I want to grow in my faith. I'll say, great, let's start reading Scripture together. And they'll come back. I'll say, did you read the chapter? Yeah, I just, I'm not getting anything out of it. Oh, okay, well, let's keep going. It's not working for me. Why don't we study this subject? Say, no, we really should keep reading Scripture. It's just not really hitting me where I'm at. It's not really helping me. And I'll take them to this, that verse right there, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and say, look, you need to accept this by faith. God says He has given us Scripture, and it is useful. It is useful, and it equips us. And so wisdom says, keep on reading. Keep on learning. Your mind might say, no, this doesn't apply. Let's do something else. Scripture says, keep going. In faith, God is at work in you. When you read and think that it doesn't apply to you, keep on going. That's the pursuit of wisdom. It takes effort to explore the gift of grace that God has given us in Scripture. Wisdom must be pursued through Scripture because it's God's revelation to us. 
but also because Scripture is going to confront us. It's going to rebuke us. Because the pursuit of wisdom will change us. It challenges us. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, 20-23. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. How many of you like to be told that you're doing something wrong? Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I want to be told I'm doing everything right. That's awesome. I feel good about that. But for somebody to come and go, ah, yeah, you know, that's messed up. You shouldn't do that. You're thinking about that incorrectly. I say, wait a minute, who who do you think you are? I don't need this negativity in my life. Come on. Wisdom, the wisdom of Scripture, it tells us, confronts us. It rebukes us. That's hard, isn't it? But see, real wisdom that's trusting in God and understands that He is God and we are not invites that rebuke. And says, I would rather know that I'm wrong so that I can then accept what is right from God than to simply stay in my wrongness and say, I'm okay. So rebuke me, teach me, train me. And then wisdom changes us. The end result of the rebuke is not to just make us feel bad, but to develop us, to challenge us. Romans 12.2, and we're going to look at this in a couple weeks, But the challenge or the change of Scripture, it says, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. James talks about this in chapter 1. He uses the illustration of a mirror. He says how foolish it is for somebody to look in a mirror and walk away totally forgetting what they saw. And he's using this to to talk about putting into action what you've learned. So the picture is this. It's somebody getting up in the morning, looking in the mirror, seeing their hair all out of place, seeing stuff run out of the corner of their eye, realizing that they look disgusting, look at the mirror and go, oh, I look disgusting, and then walk away and completely forget that they look disgusting so they don't pick up the brush, they don't pick up the washcloth, they don't do anything about it. They immediately forget. No big deal. Scripture comes to us, and it does hold up a mirror at times, and it says, things aren't looking so good right now. And the wise person says, now, through God's grace, I can be changed. I can be fixed through the power of Christ at work in me. I want to be changed. I want to allow wisdom to challenge me and change me. So how should we pursue wisdom? I want to give you six ways as we close here to pursue wisdom. Number one, this is pretty obvious. Make wisdom a priority. Scripture uses words like desire it, prize it, value it. I don't know if you saw the number of times in the passages I read it said value it, prize it more than riches, gold, silver, rubies, anything. Make wisdom a priority. If we do not intentionally make wisdom a priority in our life, it's not going to happen. Wisdom doesn't happen on accident. Make wisdom a priority. Number two, dig into Scripture. 
If it's only through Scripture that we can learn about God and be made wise, then we must intentionally, with effort and time, dig into Scripture. We do this through sermons. I try each and every Sunday to make sure my sermons are are Scripture-soaked, Scripture-saturated, so you're not hearing my ideas, my catchy phrases. I want you to hear Scripture. And that's good. You're here. But nobody can eat once a week and walk away and go, I'm good. I'm I'm fine the rest of the week. As a church, we, we have Bible studies. We have Sunday school and midweek studies. And that's good. That's another way to dig into Scripture. Get together with brothers and sisters in Christ and talk about what God is doing. Wrestle with Scripture together. Pray with one another. Hold each other accountable. It's a way to pursue wisdom and to dig into Scripture together. But that's good. But it's not enough. We need to pour over Scripture ourselves in the quietness of our own homes, carving out time in our own lives to say, God, I want you to teach me, instruct me, even rebuke me. But there's another one I want to add to this. You see, as a church, we so often in our Wednesday night Bible studies and our Sunday morning Bible studies, we we fight, I fight, to make sure that we're studying Scripture. I think that's really important. Make it scriptural-based. Those who have led small groups, no. If they bring me a small group idea, a session, or something they want to teach, a curriculum, I'll say, okay, great, but are you digging into Scripture? Because if it's just about so-and-so's ideas or their latest bestseller, that's not what we're here for. But there is a place to dig into good Christian literature. Books on theology, books on scripture, evangelism, missions, personal Bible study, what it means to be the church, what it means to be a Christian in this culture. There is a good place for that. These are good books that should drive us also to scripture. And I got to just share with you, one of my hopes in the coming year is to develop a reading culture here at Orchard. So I'm going to start a book club. I talked with the elders about this this past week, and once a month we'll just throw out a book that we're going to study, and then anybody that wants to come, uh, we'll probably do it on a Sunday night, we'll gather together and we'll review that book and discuss it and talk about it, wrestle with it together. It's not God's divine holy word, but it should prompt us and drive us to God's word. The first book we're going to look at is Desiring God by John Piper. I think it's a phenomenal book. It's not easy. You won't like everything that's in it, and that's okay. If you can be a part of that, great. And and what I like about it is it's easy. If one month you can do it, great. If the next month you can't, that's fine. If you get through half the book and want to come for the discussions, that's fine too. But to develop a culture of digging into Scripture by digging into things that drive us to Scripture. Number three, we pursue wisdom by seeing all things through the lens of Scripture. Weighing our world, our political process, our society, our culture, our families, our churches, through the lens of Scripture. Not our preference, not what we want, not who we hope will be in the White House, but through the lens of Scripture. That's our judge. That's our guide. Number four, and this flows out of all the rest, live with humility. It is impossible, I believe, to gain wisdom unless you have humility. Because wisdom rebukes. And the person who is not humble will not take a rebuke. They won't want to hear it. They won't accept it. They will keep on going with what they know is right or what they think is right. They won't take the rebuke. Wisdom both starts and continues with humility. The humble person is always learning, 
always ready to be instructed and changed. The humble person is able to hear from others with grace and speak to others with grace. And as I wrote that phrase about speaking with grace, I thought about our contemporary political situation. And I just want to challenge you, Christians. You don't represent Trump. You don't represent Hillary. Whatever your political leaning, and I really don't care, you you follow where you think God is leading and vote your conscience, and that's great. But realize this, you don't represent a candidate. You represent Jesus Christ. And if in your discussions about a candidate you cannot show humility, please be quiet. Because you represent Christ and the gospel is on display. And I have to say, I am utterly ashamed of how some Christians are interacting with this political process. The next president will come and go. Jesus Christ is eternal. If you want to wrestle with a candidate's positions, do that. You want to challenge a candidate's truthfulness, do that. But do not make fun of the person. I don't care which candidate it is. That person is made in the image of God and has potential to be saved by Jesus Christ. Let's be careful how we speak about people because we are putting the gospel on display. And I'm frankly embarrassed by the way some Christians are displaying the gospel and how we're speaking about people that we don't agree with and how we're speaking about people that we do agree with. Whoever is going to be elected is not going to be Jesus Christ one way or the other. Let's display the gospel as we live and interact with humility. Number five, live with intention. If you want to pursue wisdom, and I pray you do, make a plan. Grab somebody, a brother and sister in Christ, grab them after this service and say, hey, I want to work on this. Can you help me? Yeah, let's get together for coffee. Let's sit down and talk about what we're going to study. Hold me accountable. Help me out. Do this intentionally. And finally, number six. If you want to live with wisdom, seek God's glory in all you do. I started by saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I believe the glory of God is always the result of wisdom. True wisdom will always demonstrate itself in our lives by bringing glory to God. And so in all things we do as a church, and all things you do as an individual, seek to bring God glory through the ways that God has prescribed in Scripture. Bring Him glory. Share the gospel with your friends and relatives. Reach out to them. Demonstrate the gospel through your acts of love. And give God the glory for all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be wise. Forgive us for the ways that we have trusted and followed in and and even become satisfied with our own foolishness. May we come to Scripture and humbly say, rebuke us, challenge us, change us, grow us, stretch us. God, may each one here decide that we will live pursuing wisdom as a priority in our life, knowing that that means we will pursue you through the incredible gift of your word in this environment of a a loving church that holds us accountable and encourages us along the way. May we pursue wisdom together. And God, may the world see that and see something that is so out of place with the way they think, so contrary to their understanding of what makes sense.
that in their desperation for something real and true, we could point them to the cross of Jesus Christ, the real, true wisdom of you and your work in this world. In whose name we pray, amen.